Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. Leo Yu is an amazing columnist. His works are well-researched, well-written. And he did a commentary for the Georgia Strait. And he called it, What Our Leaders Aren't Telling You, Jesus Was a Radical Social Activist. Catchy little title. <laughs> and he said, There are only two hard historical facts about the man Jesus that we know. Number one, he was supposedly a Jew from Nazareth who led a, a popular Jewish movement in Palestine at the beginning of the first century. And two, according to historical scholar Reza Aslan, Rome crucified him for doing so. Those two things, historically, we, we are pretty okay with. So Jesus, the man from Nazareth, was a revolutionary he confronted the Judean religious establishment. He stood up to Rome. According to Aslan, this man wasn't by nature intending to be a peaceful spiritual leader or a marriage counselor or a diplomat. As one friend of mine says badly, Jesus was no care bear. <laughs> he was brave. He was radical. He was a social activist who died fighting for justice and the common good. Everything else that people attribute to him, like the common narrative, Christ, the Son of God. One school of thought says that that's actually a traditional title for Israel's kings, like King David. The idea that he sacrificed his life to forgive the sins of humanity for eternity, all of that is up for interpretation, which explains 2,000 years of war as people try to figure out what this king of peace was doing here. <laughs> that being said, it's the interpretation that can be so challenging for us as Unitarian Universalists. What is Easter and why do we care? Well, it is the third day after the man Jesus of Nazareth was crucified for Rome, by Rome for being revolutionary. We start there, but that's not the end. Reza Aslan wrote an amazing book called Zealot, The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth. If you have not read it yet, run, do not walk, get your hands on a copy. It's fascinating. You'll love the history and the research that went into the book. Zealot explores the historical Jesus as a revolutionary figure. And Aslam himself has an interesting arc. He was a Sufi Muslim who became a Christian and then went back to being a Sufi again. He has been quoted by the Washington Post as saying, it's not that I think Islam is correct and Christianity is incorrect. It's that all religions are nothing more than a language, 
I love that. They're a language made up of symbols and metaphors to help an individual explain faith. So Zealot looks at Jesus through a historical lens, and the book summary is point blank. 2,000 years ago, an itinerant Jewish preacher walked across the Galilee gathering followers to establish what he called the kingdom of God. The revolutionary movement he launched was so threatening to the established order that he was executed as a state criminal. Within decades after his death, his followers would call him God. So sifting through all of the myth-making, all of the stories, all of the centuries, Reza Aslan looks at one of the most complex, misunderstood figures in history by examining Jesus through the lens of the time in which he lived. Aslan describes a man full of conviction and passion, who's also a living contradiction, because he's looking at the history versus what you read in the Christian Gospels, and they do not match very well. Zealot looks hard at all the reasons why Jesus was positioned over and over as a gentle spiritual guru rather than a fiery social justice radical. And he asks some pretty hard questions about how the man Jesus understood himself. He said, did Jesus believe he was some kind of divine being or did he know himself to be a man of vision? Was he trying to be seen as a god so people would listen Or did he trust in his own humanity? And Zealot makes it clear that no matter what, Jesus was a radical reformer, whether he meant to or not. And he was killed for it. He was killed for insisting that the poor mattered. Aslan is very specific. He hates the modern idea of the prosperity gospel. Fancy that. (laughs) He hates this idea that somehow being rich and the richer you are makes you more important or more holy. That God wants you to be rich. He writes, if there's one thing you can really zero in on when it comes to Jesus' preaching, and I mean the historical Jesus, was his absolute hatred of wealth. This wasn't a guy who was neutral about this. He wasn't about equality. He wasn't about the rich and the poor should meet in the middle. What he preached was that those who have wealth, the wealth will be taken away. Those who are poor will inherit the earth. This guy was radical. This is as close to Marxism as it gets. But he added that Jesus took this meaning even further. Marxism says we should be in the middle. Jesus is saying, nope. One's in the top, and the ones in the bottom should switch places. Jesus came to the poor. He came to speak to the tired and the cold and the sick and the unwanted, the ones crawling on the ground with leprosy and walking with two sticks. He wanted to talk to the guy who made beer and the girl who thought she was ugly and the ones who were darker or lighter or of a different tribe from everybody else. He came to fight for a social justice idea before that idea was an idea. 
When he started his ministry, he didn't do it the easy way. Now, some of you have come out of a business environment. Sometimes the easiest way to get things done is to be a little nice here, go along with something else here, to become a lobbyist for your ideas, to work with the system, as it were. But he didn't flatter Rome. He didn't make friends among the rich and the wealthy Jews. He didn't try to get a patron or to get political influence. He didn't try to make change from the inside. Because you can't dismantle the master's house by borrowing the master's tools. This man went to the poor. He gathered his followers from fishermen and laborers and IRS workers. Women from minority ethnic groups. This was not a saintly group the way you see in all the art. This was not a saintly group of men and women walking around in clean white robes, looking impressive and engaging in learned dialogue. These were barefooted, dirty people with no education. Today, we would be talking about a few guys that worked at McDonald's, a garbage man, a girl from the check cashing place, some guys from the fish market and a pawnbroker, a drag queen, a rap artist, a girl on food stamps, the guys from Duck Dynasty and Dontre Hamilton and Black Lives Matter activists. They'd all be thrown in there together. And he didn't want to tell them how to live with the system or succeed in the system. He came to say to them, wreck it all. Don't accept things the way they are. Don't accept that getting rich is important. Don't accept that hurting people is okay. The system is broken, he said, and I'm going to bring a new way. And what's important? What's important? What's important? Listen to me. What's important, he said, is take care of one another. Rome wasn't afraid of Jesus because he said he was the son of God. He never said that. And at that time, messiahs and demigods were a dime a dozen. You could walk out in the desert and there literally would be five different zealots spread across an ark, each claiming to be a son of some god. Rome was afraid because this man came into a world where income inequality was obscene. And wealth meant power and safety and privilege. And he told the poor in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, let's just quit. Let's not participate anymore. He said, you got it all wrong. Sit down with me and let me feed you. Sit down. Let me give you a drink and wash your feet. I know they're hot and tired. And when everybody could hear him, he said, blessed are you who need help. I came for you. Your struggle taught you so much. Blessed are you who are sad at the way the world is. Blessed are you who've been hurt by the way it all is now. Because once you realize that it can be different, you're going to laugh again. Blessed are the ones who are too gentle to survive the way the system works right now. Because you're going to be the people to inherit it all. Blessed are you who just want to do right instead of somehow winning 
Blessed are you who know that it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. Blessed are you who understand that an eye for an eye means we all go blind. Blessed are you who want the best for everyone and you who want peace. You who are willing to stand up and get picked on and still say, I won't perpetuate the system anymore. You get it. And that's what I came to say. People are going to pick on you because you believe in the way I've shown you. And if they're picking on you, good. It means you have it right. It means you're not doing it the old way. Because if you try to take privilege from power and give it to other people, you just perpetuate the cycle. Instead, stand up and shine. Let people see you've chosen another way. Let them see me through you. Because the people who lead are following the wrong goals. And unless you do better, this new movement that I've started, that I've been dragging you around through this desert to talk about, it's going to fail. On Sunday of the last week of his life, he rode into Jerusalem riding a donkey in peace. And the crowds, those fast food workers and drug dealers and insurance salesmen and pole dancers and young families, (coughs) they laid palms on the dirty road so he wouldn't get dusty. And you can bet it scared the socks off of Rome. It scared the socks off the wealthy political Jewish establishment because they were listening to this young, dirty rabbi who told them we can do better. The things they told you to want aren't important. What matters is loving each other. And on Wednesday, the Jewish high court accused him of blasphemy. They had him arrested like George Floyd or Eric Gardner. He was stopped and arrested for something a wealthy Politically connected white boy would have been fined and lectured for. On Friday, he was tortured and crucified by Rome. And he died because he represented a refusal to participate in a rigged system. He died because he said, we can do it better. We can do it differently. All the things that we, as you use, say over and over. He said, we can change the world. And maybe he was buried in a tomb, or maybe not. Catholic scholar John Dominic Crossan finds it hard to believe that he was allowed burial. Criminals were usually left where they fell. But anyway, he died. And for three days, it must have seemed like everything was over. Can you imagine being one of those men and women who had followed him for two and a half years? And then he was gone. Three days of fury and mourning fear, and on the third day after his death, on the Sunday, one week after he triumphantly entered that city, the movement he created was resurrected. A human man died. We don't know what happened. But something got back up. The Christian 1 Corinthians 12, 27, 28 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part in it. A man died, but his body, in that 1 Corinthians sense, his body got back up. All those terrified followers, 
Three days for them to dare to meet together. Three days for them to decide that even his death was not going to end the message. And his body got back up, one human after another. Jesus returned to life in another form, leading his people once again in a new way. And we rejoice today because of that resurrection. We rejoice because we inherited that message through our traditional Unitarian and Universalist forebearers. (coughs) Old systems of privilege and power only destroy help to change the world, to support this dream of help for those who need it the most. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Christian or not, the resurrection brings hope that that dream, that dream that says what matters is caring about each other, that that dream is still alive. And so I say to you, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither can the people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. The light has come and the stone has rolled away from the floor of the tomb and a new way of being has been born into the world. May we keep it going. Hallelujah. Amen.